And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. What's up, Hustlers? Welcome back. This is Andrew Morgans, founder of Marknology, here as today's host of Startup Hustle. Today's guest is a friend, a colleague. Uh, before I make that introduction, and before we get into our topic of overcoming early startup challenges, today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult. Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has the platform to help you manage that team. Visit Fullscale.io to learn more. Adam Gilman, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. Really happy to be here. Yeah, I love it. You guys can't see this because we're on video, but Adam's got a big American flag hat on. I absolutely love it. He's outside. Uh, I think he said he told me he's in Long Island. So uh, me and Adam have, have been building a couple brands together, working together for at least over a year, I believe. And I, I wanted to bring him on the show because he's doing a lot of things with a lot of awesome people. Um, and I felt like a lot of value to bring through your story and just like, um, you know, as an investor and brand builder, it's a different perspective than, um, you know, I think a lot of people have. So I'm, ex I'm super excited to kind of just jump into it with you, Adam, um, you know, and, and shoot the shit here, so to speak, in regards to like, what, what a really a startup faces i think so many people think of like the normal things but um i want to get into just kind of like what what those what those challenges are we have a lot of um listeners on the show that come from uh, all different backgrounds of all different shapes and sizes so it's a show by founders for founders uh but we have people from enterprise level all the way down to you know really incubating that startup idea so um i think the best way uh to get into the show is just a little bit learn a little bit more about you um you're in long island are you from long island no no i live in florida and florida during the summer is a hellhole so uh my family <clears throat> is up here for the summer and i've been kind of re reverse commuting back and forth got it okay well yeah. um you know i think i think you're around my age i, I want to say that out loud but i think you're around my age and you're already in a position that um, I am in some ways, but I think a lot of us hope to be, which is really that that I that that investor play. Uh, you're working, you're pulling in all the right partners, you're pulling in the right place, finding those good ideas, jumping on those. Um, where does your 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 story begin? Did it start out like building your own brand? Uh, did you start somewhere else other than you know entrepreneurship around brand building? Uh, did you go to school for this kind of stuff? Where does Adam, uh, you know, where did you decide you wanted to be? Um, an investor in brands and a brand builder. Yeah. Uh, so I started my first real business when I was 18. And uh, by real business, I just mean a venture of some kind, right? Where my goal was to do something. And really at that time, my only interest was making money, uh, not necessarily building things, not necessarily doing something groundbreaking. Uh, where, where were and, you? Where were you? Were you in Florida? And, you know, is your family in business too? Or it was yeah, just a okay. question. So uh, 
I come from a family of entrepreneurs. My father and mother were both entrepreneurs. Uh, my uncle is an entrepreneur. Uh, my stepmother who was very active in raising me, uh, also an entrepreneur. So it was always around me and in my peripheral. Uh, I was always intrigued by it, never really understood what it took or what it really meant in order to be successful at that type of craft. But when I started that first business when I was 18, I was living in Chicago. That's where I, I've lived in a lot of places, moved around a bunch when I was a kid, but, um, high school, onwards my family was in chicago and uh that summer uh, me and most of my friends had fake ids and i was a party promoter uh and i did it with uh one of my close friends and my cousin and uh we crushed it we knew how to get people <laughs> to a place particularly because we knew that everybody would be able to get in but you know you have to figure out what your selling point is mm -hmm. and that was kind of my initial foray into the startup world. And since then I've done a lot. Um, I can fire it off quickly if you want. No, let's get, let's get into it. This show is about, you know, I think if we're getting into advice over into like overcoming startup challenges, it's very helpful and beneficial to know kind of like where we got to a point where we're able to share that with others, you know? Um, yeah. I think that can be helpful. So for me, like I was in, in a band, I did like a million different jobs. Like I really do, feel like I can understand what the common person likes and does because I've worked those jobs and been in those places and, and sold to those types of people. Um, you know, those types of experiences are what help you understand this is going to be a good brand or this is going to be a good product or this is, you know, this is a, a specific way to position this product. Um, talk to me about some of those ventures. You can spend as much time on, on them as you want, but uh, you went from promotion. What was like, you know, I guess the next thing outside of uh, an, an event? Yeah. So, uh, in college, I went to USC in LA, okay. uh, me and a couple buddies started a men's clothing brand, basically just like t-shirts. Okay. Uh, one of the most important le learning experiences I had because we put all of our effort into all of the things that don't matter. Mm. Uh, we needed an office. We needed a fax machine. <laughs> we needed, uh, uh, incredible business cards that cost us $2 a pop. Uh, and truth be told, I think we probably sold three shirts, um, at the end of the day and lost in excess of $10,000 collectively. Uh, but it was a big learning experience for me in terms of understanding the stuff that really mattered. Mm -hmm. After I graduated school. Um, so while I was in school, I read this article in Rolling Stone. Uh, and it was a one, like one of those one page short articles about this guy named Steve Stout. Uh, Steve Stout was a former music mogul turned advertising executive who started this agency that basically helped connect brands with celebrities. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time I had seen something in business where I was like, that shit's cool. I want to figure out a way to do that. And I literally called and emailed his office three times a week for six months, no response, just completely persistent. I was unwilling to give up. And th this was actually my junior year. So I was looking to see if they would be open to giving me an internship for that summer. And, uh, I'll never forget. I got a call and it was a woman who worked there and she was like, is this Adam Gilman? 
I was like, yes, who's this? She's like, hi, this is Angie from Translation. That was the name of the agency. Uh, I just wanted to let you know that uh, we weren't planning on having an internship program, but you're hired. Uh, we, you're, you're already famous in this office for what you did. Like, Relentless, you emailing, yeah. Yeah, you were emailing an inbox that nobody was checking. And all of a sudden we saw this string of emails from this kid named Adam Gilman. And by the way, every week I wrote something different. I was thoughtful about it. And uh, I got that internship that summer and they ended up giving me a job. They had an LA office as well. Uh, and I worked there my senior year and then went to go work in the New York office after I graduated. And it was a really cool experience for me because I got to work with all these really big brands that were doing these really interesting projects. And our agency was specifically tasked with helping them figure out how to be cool. Right. Yeah. And I realized really quickly that it was not for me. Um, Primarily because as I got out of college and I realized that I wanted to create my own life separate of my parents, uh, that I, w I was never going to be happy being in a position where I wasn't able to live life on my own terms. Hmm. Uh, and, and this company kept you from that. Why? Uh, well, I was working for somebody else. Okay. So it wasn't necessarily uh, what you were doing. It was simply that you were working for somebody else. Yeah, it was It was that the fruits of my labor, all the benefit was going to somebody else, right? And uh, not that there's anything wrong with that, um, but to the people, to the extent that there's people listening to this podcast who have that longing feeling, I had that longing feeling, right? Knowing that there's nothing wrong with being a part of a larger organization and not necessarily the leader, but... I learned really quickly that I was not that guy. Um, and in order for me to be able to live life on my own terms, I couldn't be an employee. And if yeah. that meant that I had a small business and I made a modest amount of money every year, but I got to dictate what I did, that was enough for me. Uh, so from there, but I didn't go directly into launching my own business after that. I ended up being introduced to this group of guys that started a technology company called Meet Moi. Meet Moi was an on was a mobile dating application. Okay. Um, that was I don't know five years before Tinder came out. So we had literally the same functionality. It was a, a hot or not right type uh, functionality. I was hoping you, you brought that up. Yeah. Yeah, I like or I don't like. And if two people like you match them, right? The problem is like we started this company before the iPhone even came out, if you can imagine that. So we were too early. right concept, wrong time. Mm. Uh, and I spent years on it and I learned a ton. Um, I, I came in, had an interview with the CEO. One of the hardest interviews I've ever had in my life. I had no idea what I was talking about. I didn't know anything about tech, but he asked me a lot of deep probing, challenging questions. And at the end, he was like, you're sharp, you're hired, come in on Monday. I was like, I have a job currently, I have to give notice. He was like, okay, like, give two weeks, I'll see you in two weeks. So I showed up and, you know, started off doing all the random shit that they didn't want to do and ultimately got to the point by the time I left of running all product um, for the company. And from there, uh, I 
joined forces with one of the guys who actually initially brought me into Meet Moi, and uh, his name's Darren. He comes full circle again in this story later on uh, to join um, a mobile marketing and mobile application development company called Go Live Mobile. Uh, it was a privately held company, but it was the first time I was put in a position where I had uh, a stake, right? So I got to eat what I killed. I had a direct effect on the strategy of the organization. As the company grew, I grew, I was making more money, et cetera. And we did phenomenally well. Uh, we So you were, left Meatmaw to join that one? Yep. I left Meatmaw to join that one. And okay. uh, I ended up, I'm sorry, we ended up. Uh, the the sole year that we applied, we were like number 41 on Inc. 500, number one in the media category. Uh, and uh, it was an incredibly rewarding experience. Unfortunately, like the type of work that we were doing, it just got really crowded and the business stopped working and we just shuttered it. And in parallel to that, uh, I launched a chain of uh, boutique cycling studios with my wife and my best friend from college. Uh, it was called Cycle House. We were in the LA market at our, at our peak. We had four locations. Uh, and also, luckily, a, a phenomenally successful um, business. Uh, yet fortunately, another... not luckily. Fortunately. L fortunately. Fortunately, you're right. Thank you, Andrew. Um, uh, another really big learning experience for me there, though, was how important it is to not be dependent upon any one thing or any small group of people within your organization. And like the business model behind boutique fitness is you create these uh, personalities, these stars that end up becoming very popular with your customers. And the, the next logical thing that's going to happen is those people feel like they're indispensable. And mm -hmm. it became a constant struggle of fighting with my most successful instructors and appeasing my instructors who were trying to become successful, but felt like they could never get a shot because the ones who were successful wouldn't give them one. Uh, we ended up selling that company in 2018. Unfortunately, uh, and in parallel to that, I started another business, which I'll speak to, but unfortunately the company that acquired us, uh, once the pandemic hit, we were in all major DCs that were not COVID friendly, if you will. The whole business shuttered relatively quickly. So it's not around today, but it was very successful. We had a reality show on E! that I was actually unfortunately featured on. Okay. Uh, one of the worst experiences of my life. Um, but this conversation is not about that. We can have that conversation another day. Because, because you're shy and didn't like it or because it was just like actually a bad experience? It's actually a bad experience. I'm not a shy person. Uh, I'm I'm willing to be probably too vulnerable with most people, but uh, it's it's a business that exists, right? And 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 a content form that exists with people who want to be famous, right? And I had no interest in being famous, so we were dealing with these producers. I want you uh, to act out differently than yeah, your normal we're self. Push, we're pushing you to do things that would make good TV. And what's so funny is, first off, the show was very unsuccessful. It flopped. Uh, but if they had actually listened to the guidance from my wife and I around, like, 
we actually have really cool shit going on here. You guys don't need to fake it. Traumatize it or like, yeah. 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 I, th- I think it would have been a great show. Um, and I hate reality TV, but it would have been a great show. Um, uh, but anyhow, so th- that was the big learning experience I got from that one. And and pause the- right there just for a second, because if you said that you built that in parallel to having equity in that other company that you guys shuttered because it just market share and other companies started coming up, the mobile app one, I think. Uh, yeah, I, so I that one shuttered it- and you kind of just left and then you were just like because you had started the cycle, the cycle clubs, you just went all in on that for a while. Correct. I went all in on that for a while. And um, three, four years into Cycle House, um, I've always been passionate about cannabis. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I'm uh, a user, a patient, however you want to refer to it. Um, went to school in LA, right? Eff- effectively had legalized cannabis since 1996, even though it was medical. Like you could walk into. <clears throat> any of a thousand doctor's offices and say, I have anxiety and they would write, write your prescription and you could, uh, basically, uh, purchase whatever cannabis you wanted. Uh, but it was right around the time it was just after Colorado started to pass like some formal legalization. And, um, there was a lot of chatter about it being an impending thing for, uh, California. So, um, my, best friend, uh, who was also one of the partners in cycle house. And I were like, we got to go for this. This is an incredible opportunity. And we actually launched our first business, um, in Colorado with another, uh, group of guys. There were like six of us all together that started it. And, uh, shortly thereafter, once it became clear that California was happening, we exited that and put all of our weight into the California market. And we started a company called field, Field was uh, an ultra premium vaporizer line, right? So we focused on a very specific form factor. We had a few other products, but that was really our our hero product. And uh, the company was very well uh, revered within the industry, not necessarily because of our sales, uh, but because of the quality of our product and our brand, right? We put everything we had into developing a premium brand that was different than everything else that was on the market. And, uh, the big learning for me there, uh, was it's really hard operating in overregulated industries. Yeah. Um, government too much in your business is never a good thing. Uh, they, and I don't think anybody necessarily has malintent, right. But, government and particularly I can only speak to California government because this still isn't a federal thing, but uh, California government, right? They looked at these cannabis companies like you guys are going to make so much money and a 20% tax here and then a 30% tax here. And it made it so that uh, not only did they cause the black market to thrive, which was like the opposite of the intention of what legalization was about. Uh, but it made it so that there were so many rules that it it was really impossible uh, or close to impossible to operate successfully as a company. There were a few really amazing brands um, like Raw Garden is one that comes to mind that in spite of all the red tape, were able to thrive in spite of it. But, you know, less than I can put on my hand that 100%. were able to navigate 
and I, I could that. I could echo that sentiment. Like I I love cannabis, um, always have, and you know, um, I'm like I'm in e-commerce. I'm literally a brand builder. Why haven't I gotten into that or or built something around that? And it's just from knowledge. Like Amazon, number one, is a challenging platform. That's where my expertise lies. Uh, you know, out, it, within e-commerce specifically, Amazon, but um, you know, things like CBDs and hemp's and supplements, and um, you know, my advantage to the marketplace or or to the industry has always been like kind of guerrilla warfare, think outside the box, small budget, lean and mean. Um, I'm not the big fire house. Like I'm not going to have billboards and you know all of that kind of capital to make things happen. It's going to be like leveraging my skill set and. Um, that's why I've loved e-commerce. I, I'm a nobody from nowhere that saw e-commerce as a live playing field when I came across it. And it was like, look, the best can win here. Um, if you're good, you can win in e-commerce. It's not about, you know, how big your retail store is or any of that. And, um, that's, that's why I jumped in and that's, that's where I am, where I am today. Um, you take those things away and you're going to have to just be, you're just going to have to compete, you know, um, Braun against Braun, there's a lot bigger players, so to speak. And so for me, it was always just like, you know, you can't run Facebook ads and you can't say this and you can't do that. Business is hard already. It's super, super hard. Uh, it's even harder when your hands are tied behind your back, you know? Yeah. So, so, so true. So true, man. And um, with, with field in particular, right? Like it, it's, it, it's ironic because it's actually a story that in certain ways defies some of the principles I live by today as an entrepreneur and as a businessman, which okay. is hard is good. I like hard because yep. if you make it through hard, that means that you've built some type of moat around yourself, right? Barrier to entry, harder barrier to entry. Yeah. Harder barrier to entry. Um, and uh, this industry certainly had that, but the the other x factor right that i now am incredibly conscious of is is government government regulation um industries that are overregulated are just very complicated to navigate and that doesn't mean you can't be successful you just need to be really prepared for it and we weren't like we knew how to if we weren't in a highly regulated industry we would have destroyed uh but uh, and, and it wasn't a failure. We ended up getting acquired by what's now a publicly traded company. And I did very well on the deal. And I'm really happy and proud of what we built there. But uh, uh, it was far from what it could have been if it wasn't for all of those external factors that I simply wasn't prepared for. Yeah. Um, and, you know, on the tail end of field, it was kind of an interesting thing that happened to me. Um I built this team around me and hired a lot of guys that in spite of things getting really ugly towards the end, I have a lot of respect for um, guys that were cannabis veterans that were, you know, pioneering the industry um, and other guys that were just really good at their craft, whether it be Nick, our, our guy who, who ran branding, who was brilliant. Um, uh, I didn't have control of my team. I didn't have the respect of my team and things ended up, uh, devolving in such a way where I had, I ended up having like a complete nervous breakdown and I had to step down as CEO of the company. And it was like the, the hardest talk. moment of my life without a doubt. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it was like one of those moments where, you know, like the first 30 days I couldn't get out of bed. Um, 
and I had to learn or relearn um, who I was and mm. what it was inside of me that gave me that fire to be hungry to build shit. Uh, and in retrospect, best thing that ever happened to me turned me into who I am today. Uh, but when you put so much effort into something and still come up short or still end up losing control, it's, it's really hard. Right. And, and whenever I talk to people about entrepreneurship, it's, it's, uh, a story that I often share because people who are in this grind and truly married to being in this grind, uh, to continue what I said earlier, this notion of being obsessed with living life on your own terms, being obsessed with building your own future, building things um, that matter and can make a difference in the world or in, in, in somebody's life. Everybody I know of talks about this like very delicate dance of this like never ending anxiety that they feel, but also being addicted to that anxiety in a weird way. Um, and uh, I felt that. And I was addicted to it, still am, but I didn't understand it. And I didn't understand how to harness it. Hmm. And that experience of me literally crashing and burning, at least personally, right? Not necessarily the business. And, and luckily, um, my uh, second in command took over um, and he did a great job navigating the business to an exit. Um, uh learning how to, you know, uh, uh, rebuild myself and work my way through, uh, this like punch to the gut that I had that I never, uh, felt before was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And, and also keep in mind, this is in the context of, I had just had two children. I wasn't a present father. My wife was really frustrated with me. I was so obsessed with achieving, a nine figure exit on my business that I lost sight of the shit that really mattered. You um, sacrificed those things and then still lost the other, you know, in that yeah, regard. I sacrificed myself. I, I was fat as fuck. <laughs> like I, I was, I, I, I felt terrible about myself. Um, deep down, I knew that like I didn't have control over what I was doing and that the people around me, or at least some of the people around me didn't respect me. And uh, that, that was, I think, hopefully, for the rest of my life, I will point to that experience as like the big tipping point, the big turning point for me into gaining more control over who I was as an entrepreneur. And it was it was coming out of that, right, that the guy who brought me into Meet Moi, who I ended up working with at Go Live Mobile, who I always um, uh, stayed in close contact with and is a, is a friend of mine uh, reached out, uh, and was like, I've had this idea, um, for this kid's vitamin. And, um, it was really ironic because for the first time since my kids were born, I was spending a lot of time with my kids. And like two weeks earlier, I was giving my kids their vitamins and, uh, I was reading the label and I was like, this is like crap. Um, like, it doesn't make sense that I'm giving my kids like gummy candies, like Sour Patch Kids effectively um, for something that's supposed to be good for them. And 
didn't think much of it. And then fate uh, brought Darren back to me with this idea that literally solved that problem that I was thinking of in the kitchen that day. And, um, you know, I'll never forget that he, he, I, I lived in LA and there was this like center right around where my house was. I lived in this kind of secluded neighborhood and he came to meet me and we were talking about it and we were like, should we do this? And, uh, we were like, maybe we can build this into something and, and sell it for $10 million in a few years or something like that. And, uh, Fast forward to today, we launched March 2020, and we spent a year formulating, building out the product, getting everything ready. Uh, we, I, I, I can't speak to revenue numbers on the phone, but we are in the high eight figures in in revenue um, as a business. I love that. Yeah, I want I want to ask a question just personally for for my own understanding. Like when you were in that, you know, the the stage of, you know, I've been divorced. That was a major low. I've been through different areas of my business where, you know, um, you know, the anxiety is there. You're addicted to it. I remember getting on anxiety meds. This is like years ago and being like, I can't stay on these. They've removed the anxiety, but but the anxiety is what makes me great at what I do, you know. Um, and and yes. so I, I was like, yes. I, I, it feels good to know that it's there, but I, I can't stay on this. Like I, I need the anxiety. Uh, you know, it just makes me who I am and it makes me good at what I do. Um, talk to me about besides your friend coming into your life and coming up with this new opportunity, like getting back on the horse, like what were some of those things you did to, to get that fire back, to get that passion back around like building things like that, that want to. Such a good question. And I talk about this a lot. Um, my, my wife makes fun of me because I tell this story so often. Uh, but I committed my, well, let me take a step back. Right. I wasn't happy with who I was. I didn't have any confidence in myself as a result of my failure. And I had to look inward and say, why do I not have confidence? And I couldn't answer the question, but what I could figure out was, okay, well, how do I get confidence? What are the moments in my life where I felt confident? And what I realized, right, was in order to be confident in yourself, you need to accomplish things. You need to say, I'm going to do this thing and you need to make a problem, a promise, excuse me, to yourself that's for nobody else and then follow through on it, knowing that if you hadn't followed through on it, nobody would have known, but the only person you would have let down is yourself. I did so one of those I, things. I, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I like, I'm loving where you're going with this because this is something that happened to me 10 years ago and I forget some of it until we talk about it. But I made an internal promise. My, my circle was super, super small. I just got divorced, had like no friends. I was working as an e-commerce manager and starting Marknology on the side. Yep. And I made a promise uh, to the universe not to tell a single lie for six months. Not a white lie. Not a, It was about authenticity at the time for me and transparency through communication. And it was small. And I'd catch myself like, did you get your 10th set? And maybe I did nine. And I'd be like, yeah. And I'd be like, no, wait, wait, I have one more. You know, like meaning it wasn't perfection, but it was like this like internal, I don't need to lie about even the smallest things. Like, you know, did you have a good day? Yeah, sure. You know, no, if I didn't have a good day, I was not going to say, yeah, sure. And and I really feel like the universe and myself, the confidence I got from doing that, you know, mind you, my circle was super small. It's not the energy you know today, but like, I feel like that promise to myself and getting that done, it was, it was a big one, uh, changed everything for me. 
Yeah, it, dude, it's funny. You refer to that as a small thing. That is a huge thing. Like to not lie for six months, that is a huge thing. What I did was actually small. I committed to brushing my teeth and flossing twice a day, every day for 30 days. That's it, right? Something that I knew that I could do despite how awful I felt, despite how physically shitty I felt because of all of the anxiety and depression. No matter what, I don't care if I have 104 fever, I can go brush my teeth and mm. I can floss my teeth. And I'm going to make that commitment and I'm going to do it for 30 days. And that little thing changed my entire life because from there, I just built upon it. And I started to set goals for myself, uh, initially small, eventually big, getting back in shape, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and it created this snowball effect where uh, the more I did it, the better I felt, the more confident I felt in myself. I always thought of myself as a confident person and I was not confident. I didn't believe in myself. Um, no wonder why my team didn't respect me. People can see that shit. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, underneath the surface at the end of the day, I was just a guy that was puffing his chest that didn't believe in, in what was really behind it. And now I'm the opposite. I believe I belong in every room. I don't care what fucking room you put me in, put me in a room with Bezos and Musk. I belong there. Um, and it's because of brushing my teeth and flossing and starting that one thing. It's no different, right? Like, back to another analogy. And like, I, I, I referenced a few times that like I got back into fitness, right. And like, just feeling good about myself and not being fat. Um, I, when I started weightlifting, right. Like you don't go in there and put the pin in the biggest weight. You have to start small. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and then it compounds from there. And that's exactly what ended up happening to me. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's gold. If anyone gets anything, I think that's absolutely gold. Uh, I got a couple questions before we do one more shout out to our sponsor. Uh, finding expert software developers doesn't have to be difficult, especially when you visit fullscale.io, where you can build a software team quickly and affordably. Use the Fullscale platform to find your technical needs and see what available testers, leaders, and, re and leaders are ready to join your team. Visit fullscale.io to learn more. Okay, so one just that's it's super impactful and i think the reminder to just like go back to the basics i i've gone through a period of this like in my own life where you know i i'm very transparent on the show um you know i got i got jumped uh last august and and hurt pretty bad my buddy ended up in a coma you know broke my hand coming back from that getting back in the gym gaining weight you know not being able to do the things you love to do um you know, loss of focus and vision on some of on some of those things, you know, and really fighting, fighting to get myself back. Because um, when you feel weak, it's just weird. It's like, it's, it's not tied to the, everything, but it is tied to everything. And, you know, um, I think a journey that a lot of us can share, whether it's in your business, your personal life, a divorce, like, you know, this, this moment of like, I thought I was the guy and now I'm not feeling like the guy uh, anymore, you know, and um, it really does just start with like keeping promises to yourself uh, in, in the smallest of ways, whether it's like, I'm going to do these things for myself, um, that I know are the right things to do, uh, to get myself back to a point where I'm feeling, you know, like I'm in a healthy mindset to take stuff on. Um, absolutely gold. Okay. But we talked about, um, Haya. 
Okay. And, and this goal, and you talked about now being like, you know, in, in eight figures, I believe, um, three years down the road, um, startup, 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 you, you've got another one now. And I know you've got more projects than that. Right. Um, you know, and, and today's like, uh, some of the projects we've worked on are not even mentioned in your story yet. So, you know, everything happens for a reason in regards to learning. Okay. Who am I as a leader? Who am I as a team member? Who am I as a colleague? Who am I as a father? Who am I as an investor? Who am I as a brand builder? Um, you know, these different identities that are all Adam or Andrew, right. But, but they're different aspects of us. Um, and, all of them had something to teach us. I think that's one of the the main things to realize when you're going through a hard time is like, you won't see it now, but if you have enough long, long game and uh, mindset around when I am through this, because you got to believe in that when I am through this, this is going to be a, a lesson, you know, and I'm going to yeah. take something from it. Every experience has value. Um, and uh, startups like, you know, it, it's a, it's a different characteristic or character, you know, um, ability from humans to be able to create something out of nothing and that's what a startup is like that's what a real entrepreneur is it's not a business owner it's to create something from an idea to create something out of nothing um and and bring it forward and we've talked about some of the challenges you had with those early ones but as we like you know in the last 10 or 15 minutes as as we take kind of like that that original story and, and and what you've learned um to to the rest of our listeners here like we've talked about people problems, uh, in the cycle and the cycle, uh, company we've talked about, uh, personal development or issues like, you know, losing trust in yourself or losing respect for yourself, letting your body go. And then other people seeing that, feeling that we've talked about, um, knowing you're a leader and and being a, a follower at a company and that not being a good fit. We've talked about, you know, legal, regulation uh you know federal regulation being a being a a challenge to startups um you know we've brought up just through your own story alone we've talked about a lot of what those challenges are and what those lessons are and you can kind of see that ahead of the next idea um but i want to talk about like you know if you were to put on on one hand what like you think um the biggest challenges are to an idea or a startup what would those five be um and I won't hold you to this. I won't write an article on it. But just like if you're like, man, these are the things that if I'm thinking about a new idea, like, you know, um, these would be the most significant challenges and the things we have to think of first. Yeah, it's it's funny. because The, the only reason there's hesitation is because my inclination is to say that at the end of the day, there's only one. And it's your mind. Um, because everything else is a byproduct of that, right? Like, whether it's about how to build a team or dealing with regulatory complexities or uh, uh, scaling operations or dealing with competition. It all starts with you have to believe in yourself and you have to acknowledge that there will be crippling moments of self-doubt in the process. Mm. And those will be self-inflicted. They will come externally they will come from the people you love who to no fault of their own, they're scared too, that you're going to fail. Right. Um, and being able to navigate through that is the only way that you can be successful as an entrepreneur, because all the other shit is solvable. If you believe in yourself. 
I couldn't I couldn't agree more. I think that's a beautiful answer, not one I expected. Um, but it is where I think several years back, uh, even before this last incident last year, uh, I was out of conferences and going to a bunch of events. And there was just this moment of clarity where I saw that it wasn't about getting my logic or my like, you know, intelligence mind to a certain level to be able to win at this game of life or business. It was, it was legitimately emotional intelligence. Um, my ability to lead, my ability to remain sane in the hard times, my ability to, um, you know, remain calm when there's chaos, like my mental health, essentially, uh, my emotional intelligence. Um, how do I train that? How do I get as healthy as I can? Because if you have that in place, you're right, whatever comes up, you're going to be able to handle it. Um, yep. And I think, you know, uh, that is something that there's a lot of talk about mental health in the world, especially with men. And I'm, I'm excited for that. And it's an amazing and beautiful thing. Uh, but there's still a lot of knowledge that isn't known or isn't shared enough or, you know, talking about those vulnerabilities of saying I had a mental breakdown. Um, you know, I think you can get such on an island. You can feel so on an island in regards to entrepreneurship, especially if you're the leader and building something that, um, you know, you become the enemy of yourself internally it's like it's always me versus me which is cliche but it's so so real um and for me one thing that i have overlooked and i get surprised over and over is this concept of you level up and you solve some of these other problems like let's say it's cash flow let's say it's team let's say it's location let's say it's revenue numbers or like you know something goes away that you were going toward or that was a problem but at each level up um you're essentially presented with more problems or yeah. more things that you need to overcome. And, and the mental, the mind, the mental fortitude I think that you have to have is to understand that that's kind of an unlimited thing. That's like kind of always out never there. Ends. It never yeah. ends. And that is something that's really overwhelmed me through the years at different times where I, I've reached this monumental, like reached the top of the peak and then um, only to realize that there's a bigger mountain in the distance. And being like, oh my God, like it took it took a hundred percent of what I've got to get me here. Uh, I don't have a hundred and five percent. That's a stupid saying, in my opinion. You you have a hundred percent of something. You don't have a hundred and fifty percent of something, you know. And I'm like, I've given my all, uh, only to see that there's like so much more for me to get over. Whether it's like another skill to learn or another. Okay, I thought I was great, but I have, I don't have the ability to communicate well, or or you know whatever the case is. Um, I think that's one of the hardest challenges uh, is that perspective and expectation of knowing how much it's going to be. And and when you get to that first thing that you think is a, is a mountaintop um, there's a whole nother list. I think that can be, that can be really what drains me in the big moments. Me too. Uh, and uh, Ray Dalio, who's like one of the most successful hedge fund managers of all time. He wrote a book a few years ago called principles. And uh, it's like, massive book I, somehow i managed to read the entire thing and hey buddy uh <laughs> i love that um and uh one of the things he talks about is the growth path right and most people think that the growth path is linear that once you make it to one spot you just continue um on that same trajectory and the reality is in everything in life whether it be business whether it be personal it is. And is this podcast audio only? No, there's video. Okay. So like, it's actually like this and then like this and like this and like this. Right. So for those that are listening, I'm 
going up and to the right, but then going backwards and down and then back up and to the right again. Right. So you, you need to slow down. You need to go backwards sometimes in order to ultimately be able to go forward again. And, uh, uh, a phrase I say all the time is what got us here won't get us there. Right. Like the skills that got you to where you are today, uh, Sometimes you need to learn new skills, Andrew, like you pointed out, or sometimes the skills that you have need to shift, right? Uh, And being able to navigate that is a really hard process because uh, that feeling of getting to the top of the mountain to realize, holy shit, there's 10 more mountains that are 10 times the size of the one that I just climbed. How the hell am I going to do this? Uh, is something that you will always run into, at least based on my life experience so far and based on the experience of every single person I've talked to that's successful. Uh, And you have to be prepared for that. And in a weird way, figure out a way to love that as part of the process too, knowing that, okay, shit's hard again, let's go. Uh, If it's hard, that means that there's something amazing on the other side. Um, And if it's easy, um, I'm not doing something interesting, right? Like if, if, if my life is easy, <clears throat> I, I simply am not doing something interesting. And if uh, I know who I am, then I'm like, I know that why I might be lazy in this moment or I'm wanting easy in this moment. If I truly know who Andrew is, you know, and with this perspective, then it's like, I know that I like the hard shit. Yeah. I, I, I like interesting hard shit. Yeah. Interesting, hard shit. And, and, uh, uh, I read a lot, right. And I listen to a lot of podcasts, uh, and I can't, I'm blanking on who said this quote, but it's one that another one that I repeat to myself all the time and say to people all the time. And it's, if you have, if you do the things that are easy in life, your life will be hard. If you do the things that are hard in life, your life will be easy. Mm. And if you always take the easy path on everything, you are not going to have a good life. If for no other reason, you might have monetary success, but you're not going to develop self-belief, right? You're not going to develop the feeling of satisfaction that only comes from going through something hard, right? That's why the success rate of trust fund kids is really low, right? They have everything handed to them. They don't have the skills to navigate hardship in their life. And they know that at the end of the day, I haven't done anything with my life. And uh, knowing that and understanding that, and when you're in those moments, shifting your mindset into thinking, okay, it's hard again. I'm scared again. I don't know how I'm going to do it again, but I'm going to do it. And even though I'm scared, I'm going to push through anyways, because one of two things is going to happen. I'm going to fail. And then I'm going to try something else or I'm going to make it through and I'm going to level up. And knowing that those are the, the, the two outcomes that can happen, you can shed a positive light on that mental experience. I love it. I love it. And um, I could dig in so much to what you just said there. There's so much meat there. Like, you know, yeah, we, I we literally have it. I have it tattooed on my body, feel the fear and do it anyway, which is just a silly quote. I think I even saw it at Walmart or something, but (laughs) it's a reminder for me daily, you know, a symbol of like, you know, I'm someone that grew up in a war zone with crazy shit happening. I've always had fear in my life since I was a child, like in regards to just 
being afraid of real danger. I've seen real danger and I know life and death and it's been very real to me all the way through business and, and whatever. Right. Um, and for me, it's just a reminder that like, just cause the fear's there doesn't mean there's not an opportunity for courage, right. To courage to push through. And, and I'm like, look, I have, um, I have a couple quotes out there. Uh, one of them is I embrace the fear that greets me in the morning for my courage was starving while I slept. And it was just like a, a poem I was writing, you know, at the time. But the saying is about, um, yeah, I wake up, I'm scared to do this every day, jump on podcasts, talk about stuff I don't know about sometimes, uh, you know, push, put myself out there, try, spend my money on this thing, tell people I'm doing it, the embarrassment, the pride. Um, but without that fear, there's not an opportunity for courageous, uh, you know, actions to come forward. And so, you know, my, if there's no fear, my courage is not, it can't use courage when it has to be in the face of fear. That's what courage is. And yep. so, um, for me, these little things, these little symbols, these little mantras are like ways of, of getting through those times. Um, and I think, you know, one of the biggest things for me is just surrounding yourself with the right people to, to remind you of those things, right? If you're not around people that are reading or that are ingesting good stuff, they're never going to have that quote for you in the moment when you need it. You know, they're never going to have that encouraging word of like, Hey, there's something else. Let's climb this other hill. Uh, you know, or, um, so in the early startup phase, or just you know, say I, to you, you can do it. Exactly. Or just be when you don't believe in yourself, sometimes you need somebody else to believe in you. Yeah. How important was your wife during that time? You know, she was frustrated with you. You weren't being a good father in those moments. You were like having nervous breakdown. Or or a good husband. Yeah. What, um, you know, how impactful was she, um, on that journey back? Extremely. Um, I wouldn't have, I, I mean, she and my boys were my inspiration through it. Right. Um, but also as I started to change, right. Relationships are hard. Um, and what's, what's hardest about a relationship is, you are a unit together, but you're also two individuals and like you grow at different speeds. Right. And while I was going through that process, she was obviously further along than I was at that point in time and having the patience to let me work through it. And knowing that at the end of the day, she was going to be there for me. As long as I kept trying, I think if I had given up, you know, she wouldn't have been, nor should she have been. Um, but uh, n knowing that there was somebody who believed in me was everything. Um, everything. And, 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 you know, I'd extend it beyond her, her though. Like my, my family was important and, uh, I, I keep a small circle, right? Like I, I have, uh, less than 10 close friends. And those are the people that, I want to be with me. And those are the people that I want to be there for. Right. And, uh, being able to talk to them. And that's the other thing I learned in that process is like, I was never willing to be vulnerable. Um, and by being vulnerable, I was able to get wisdom from the people around me who never would have seen the window to provide it if I didn't communicate that up. I needed to hear it. Uh, so the people you surround yourself with are going to shape how you make it through tough times, but also how you determine what you're doing next when you're in good times, you know, like it's everything. I love it. I think, uh, 
we'll have to wrap it up at that just as we're hitting the time. And I think that's an amazing quote, like, um, you know, how you get through everything. Uh, I definitely, it's something the last 10 years that I've really just perfected that idea of tribe and, uh, you know, who I want to win with and, and who I, who I want to see win. And I know who wants to see me win. And, um, you know, really understanding, look, like people might not understand why certain people are in your lives, but you can remember, you know, that time when you couldn't get out and they were like helping you laugh and get to the gym and, you know, do the things that, you know, you need to do. So I really, really believe if you haven't read a book, uh, I recommend a book called Tribe by Sebastian Junger. I don't know I if you've read that one. I that book and I haven't read it yet. And if we're okay. doing book recommendations, um, the one book I have... 10 copies on me at all times. Um, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. Um, yeah. Not sure if you've read it. Um, his story is incredible. It's a testament to the power of the mind and the ability to make it through really hard shit. Yeah, he's amazing. And I just saw this like podcast he did about brotherhood and it was pretty, it was pretty beautiful. Um, but the tribe book is one that I'm always giving out to everybody. Uh, and, you know, it's just really talking about kind of what that means for us in, in 2023 and beyond, you know, what tribe means uh, as an yeah. old principle. But um, I hope our, I hope our hustler listeners like really enjoyed this. I know I have, um, you know, leaving it feeling encouraged and inspired and, and some, I already knew a lot of your story, but um, getting into the details and being vulnerable was, was awesome today. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Thanks for I, giving me the opportunity. It was awesome being we're, here we're gonna have to have a part two when you when you've exited Haya or whatever's in the future for that you know you made a you made a hey maybe we'll sell this for 10 mil you know we'll get on the other side of that when you're allowed to talk about it and uh you know come back with it wh what you've learned since then shout out again to our our sponsor for today's episode fullscale.io when you visit fullscale.io all you need to do is answer a few questions and let the platform match you up with fully vetted high experienced team of software engineers testers and leaders at fullscale they specialize in building long-term teams that work only for you learn more when you visit fullscale.io um adam um just in passing, as we close out the show, you know, we'll have your notes uh, in the show notes uh, on Spotify and Apple and everywhere for, for anyone that wants to look it up. But, um, you know, where can people contact you? Uh, are you on LinkedIn, um, you know, email if someone wants to contact you or, or follow your journey? Or what's the best way to do that? Yeah, I don't do social media. Um, so best way is email. It's just Adam at AdamGilman.com, A-D-A-M-G-I-L-L-M-A-N.com. I love it. Short and simple. Um, thank you, Hustlers, for your time. We'll see you next time. Thank you, Adam, for being on the show. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Likewise. I really enjoyed being here. Thanks, man. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.